Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I continue to learn about the initiatives from small business owners, students, student founders, educators, edtech founders, civic officials, nonprofit executives, healthcare executives, technology experts, technology startup founders, and even oil and gas tech startups. These individuals have shared their stories in person during the pre-COVID period and remotely throughout the COVID and the quasi-COVID opening periods. Out of 86 podcasts recorded and released so far in 2021, I had the privilege of learning about the important support network of Woods Homes from clinical coordinator David Williamson during episode 309. As I learned, Woods Homes provides treatment and support for children, youth, and families with mental health needs, a service that has become increasingly important during the COVID pandemic. Take the time to consider learning more about and possibly donating to Woods Homes and their many programs, including the Albo Springs Counseling Service. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast from whatever app you access your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and even Amazon Music. I also invite you to leave a review. This will allow others to easily find the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Wozni, and for episode number 302, I have Tess. Tess, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and Mar Media Group, but I want to let you, because I'm going to badger your name. I've already done it. <laughs> That's totally fine, Alan. Uh, yeah, my name is Tessa Maymar. I'm with Mar Media Group. We are a social media marketing agency, uh, entirely virtual and remote, uh, working with different brands and businesses to help them augment and amplify their marketing stories through the power of social media that's a handful or a mouthful so <laughs> that's probably let, the best i've ever done it let's unpack it because you weren't always in this space because i look i just look i cheated a little bit and you spent some time flying you were a flight attendant and worked in westjet for a while yeah that's right i was with the airline for 14 years um wow. <clears throat> my first love before social media was travel so that's kind of how I found myself in that space yeah and um it was a blast I absolutely loved it it gave me access to you know see so much of the world and I really appreciated that but I always knew I wanted to find my way um over to the business side of things at some point in time so I uh, made that transition in it, they overlapped a little bit which was um right great in terms of getting started for sure but made that transition in, in 2014. So what was that trigger? Because 2014, if I, the guy was overseas, but you know, you didn't have to be oil had kind of, is it oil tanked at that time? Was it, was it that kind of a trigger that things were going on around you? I mean, that's kind of interesting for me to hear that. Yeah, no, it was more, um, more specific to the kind of the social media space. And then in addition to that, just sort of what was happening in my world and my life. Um, yeah. So I, I studied business and I always had an affinity for marketing. Um, I'd actually considered a career in PR, but <clears throat> definitely knew I wanted to work for myself. Entrepreneurship was a, a theme of, you know, things I was considering. But right. uh, as I said, the love for travel just came first. I wound up, uh, you know, lucky enough to work with the airline, spent eight years flying, got to travel a ton. <clears throat> I actually started a blog while I was traveling, which is kind of my, um, it's still something that I do and, and has yeah. some crossover with the world of social media and that kind of um, written communication uh, type of a thing. So got a little bit of experience into that. And then, yeah, it's actually around... 2012, I guess that I knew I want, I started to think about, you know, getting into business again, but I knew I wanted still to be able to travel. I was not willing to go back to that, you know, two weeks, three weeks of holidays per year, kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it all kind of began to take shape for me at this, uh, one fateful brunch at a pub on 17th Avenue in downtown Calgary. <laughs> well, Calgary. So yeah, so, because you're, you're in Kelowna now or in Penticton, right? I'm in Penticton now. Yeah, we're all virtual and remote. So it was a really easy yeah. decision to relocate up here to be near my stepkids. Um, but yeah, I lived, I grew up in Edmonton and spent 10 years in Calgary oh, okay. and Vancouver and then here. So yeah, definitely yeah. more of a, more of a city girl. So you were sitting in a cafe, in a pub on 17th because that's the red, the, the, the red mile and you, yeah, was something that triggered you looking at a billboard and said, I can do that better. Or what was it? 
<laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I was, it was, so it's 2012. The year was 2012. Yeah. I was uh, hungover. <laughs> it was a Saturday morning. Wait, I'm going to edit that to the kids that are listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Okay, okay fine yeah, um yeah. i was enjoying you know some greasy bacon and a caesar at the yeah. ship and anchor for anyone that knows calgary well really really classic spot there with a friend of mine and we were making plans um for where we were going to go out that night because back then i was able to go out two nights in a right. row that was how life was in your 20s yeah, yeah. um so i we were actually on twitter using twitter because uh twitter especially back then thanks to nenshi was really the place to be for calgarians right. and uh, still maintains a lot of relevancy in that in that particular corner of the world anyway um and so we had strategically tweeted at a number of local hotspots uh just kind of you know publicly wondering where we should all go that night with our gaggle of girlfriends uh so within minutes one place responded and offered us all a free glass of bubbly to come there <clears throat> so did we did you use a hashtag or and then they just knew that you posted it or how did that i used a hashtag i also tagged them strategically i think there was like oh, eight okay. different places that we yeah, yeah, yeah. That we tagged that we kind of wanted to go obviously but yeah one just <clears throat> um responded right away made us that little freebie offer and there you go we were all planning to head there for the evening so we just thought wow like one tweet a few glasses of wine obviously thrown in and they totally sold us and all these other businesses had missed out and of course we you know purchased numerous more drinks no, throughout the rest of the no, evening but that's so the power right it so was suddenly amazing. the power of social media which is now this that makes sense for the mar media right you're like we can do this Mm -hmm. was, yeah, that, it was really interesting. So we were like, okay, how many businesses are missing out on this because they've yeah. just simply dismissed Twitter and social media overall at this point in time, businesses were not sold on the idea that they needed to get on there, but people were, people were spending time doing this. Like we were doing sure. this for fun. So to us, we were like, could we help these businesses and how fun would it be to help these it's businesses? Amazing. So you, you're not like a, you didn't like do a degree in digital marketing and, and social media. Like you just literally figured this out from sitting on a drunken stupor <laughs> sitting in a pub <laughs> yeah exactly awesome. uh, we're all what the best ideas story. are born <laughs> yeah so i mean then the challenge became okay we see this as an opportunity but how on earth am i going to get someone to pay me to do this when i don't even know if i know what i'm doing right. uh, there was definitely no degree in social media marketing or really much in the way of courses back then either so we kind of just had to figure out how we were going to prove this um, so we had a friend of mine, both of us actually had recently made the transition to eat. Can we get a name to the friend. Wait, can we, is it the same friend that was in the pub? Yeah. It's <laughs> the same friend that was in the pub. Yeah. Her name yeah. was Kaylee Adams. Yeah. And, um, so we had both recently gone gluten-free and, um, found out that it was a sensitivity of mine that I had for years, which was awesome. Yeah. And so, um, going gluten-free though was pretty challenging and really overwhelming. And we didn't know, you know, there's lots of it now now it's much easier and calgary actually has an amazing gluten-free scene but at the time it was really challenging to get support from people and figure out what you should and shouldn't be cooking where right. you can dine all of those different things so we decided to start a twitter account called gfyyc gluten-free calgary and the oh. whole intention was really just to like test campaign tactics see what we could do build a community etc and uh we did that quite successfully i would say um it kind of I won't say blew up. That's a little dramatic, but it, it kind of became its own baby pretty quickly where we had about, um, you know, I think a total audience around 30,000 people and we had an interactive map and advertising and subscription boxes and it's kind of in 2000, this is 2012 ish. Yeah. So. I mean, it took three years to get to that, but it kind yeah. of, um, yeah, accidentally became its own little business, which was awesome. I sold the business in, uh, 2015, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what got, got us the start anyway. And that's what kind of gave me the confidence anyway, to, um, to realize that I had some skill in this area. Uh, I definitely, you know, imposter syndrome is real for sure. So fast forward to 2014, I still hadn't made the jump to actually, you know, kick the off the social the agency. Or, and I, you're not the sorry? first person I heard this imposter syndrome. I heard that. I've heard that no. several times. So why? <laughs> Why are you using that? Are you, wait, do, is it not really Tessa on the line? Can I get the real Tessa on the line? Then? No, no, this is me. This is me for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's something that everyone on my team has experienced. I think it's still something that I experience to this day. It gets less and less. You learn to have more confidence, obviously, and all of that. But, sure. um, but yeah, it's a real thing among, amongst entrepreneurs and beyond. I think, I don't think it's. Uh, okay. So but 2014, yeah. fast forward, you're still like is this really something I can do? Is that what the, the yeah. epiphany was in that bar? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, gluten-free Calgary, again, there was, it was like a, we had to develop a business model after because it wasn't yeah. a, wasn't a plan to be anything big. So that wasn't my moneymaker. And, you know, I, I still need to figure out what I wanted to do and make that leap to actually, um, executing this in a way that I had planned to. So, but, but again, I was still nervous about it. So yeah. in May of 2014, I registered for a social media conference out in Victoria uh, flew out there and just decided I would show up and just see how I felt amongst other social media professionals. Yeah. It was an amazing conference. Um, I found that I felt really comfortable in those rooms. I probably knew about 80% of the material that was being presented. I always right. learn opportunity to learn more. You'll, I, I hate the term social media expert because I think it's truly impossible to be an expert for more than like 15 minutes. Cause there's always new things coming out. Um, so I learned a ton but what I realized was you know this is definitely an arena that I want to play in and feel like I can play in um so yeah July 1st uh 2014 I started the business with one client uh promptly updated my LinkedIn and immediately signed well, my Canada second day. client you're like Canada day we're gonna do this Canada day Canada day yeah and actually my birthday is the second so it was um yeah it's actually an annoying anniversary. We, we, uh, we prefer to celebrate it on June 30th cause that's social media day. So had I been more strategic, I would have done it there, but okay. same kind of thing. Um, so yeah, kicked it off. And then someone who knew me through gluten-free Calgary and the work that I'd done there, um, through her day job, got in contact right away and we signed our second client. Um, and the rest is history, I guess, as they say. Well, that's amazing. So I, I love that though, the, the expert, but I, I gotta go back to that room because I'm going to tell you, you literally put me to a space. I was in Dubai, but I was in okay. Qatar and I, I was learning about blockchain and I, you know, it kind of that same who am I? I was nobody and I still nobody, but I, I learned a lot of time in blockchain in six months. And I, there was only one guy I knew was at the conference. The reason I went to it, he was just called the blockchain beard guy. And I really sought him out. I came up to him. I'm like, you know, I, I apologize on podcasts. I listened to him about what, and that was it. I just, I talked to him. Everyone else, I was like, I was in that room. And as you said, I, I, every conference, everything you were talking about, I had kind of read on social media and right. I learned everything I need at that point, but it didn't take long, but there was, that was a time when they were selling courses, major university, Oxford university, Stanford, six grand, five grand a pop, 10 grand, you know, whatever it was. And I'm like, I kind of mm -hmm. learned all this stuff in the last six months. Anyway, hey. thanks for putting me there because I, I like that you just showed up and and you were just, you knew everything. Well, not everything, but you, at that time. No, yeah. Definitely didn't know everything, but you know, you show up and you take a chance and you realize yeah. you're, you're not as uh, incapable as you suspected. Yeah. <laughs> so wonderful. So, all right. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Okay. Um, I want to, I, I want to give kudos to the faceless avatars. This is, I, I went to your website. That is yeah. so cool. Who came <laughs> up with that? That is fun. like, we're, we create connections and I get it. Cause you're kind of like, we don't know who you are yet until you become a connection. And then yeah, that was actually our answer to the challenge that has been one of the many challenges of COVID-19 in that we can't all or haven't all been able to get together. Now yeah. our team is virtual and remote, like I said, and we have been since before it was cool. So um, in some ways the transition was, you know, relatively seamless for us. We didn't have to change too, too much, but we were getting together <laughs> a couple times a year. Uh, sorry, that's my puppy. You would not uh, we're have together a couple times a year. If there's not and we a were dog doing... in the background. Sorry, if there's not a dog disrupting or a kid crying, this is not real. So this is real. pinch. You are real. There's no imposter on this one. Okay, yeah, no, sorry. exactly. It's true. It's true. It's real life here. Uh, that's our COVID puppy. You know, we had to cancel all of our vacations, so we decided to get a dog, like so many other people in the world did. Yeah. Um, and it's been mostly a mostly a good decision. He's pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, needless to say, we couldn't get any updated group photos. Our team has grown, uh, doubled in size in the last year. Yeah, and yeah. so we wanted to make sure that we had some imagery on our marketing materials and website and such that represented our team. But alas, it's pretty hard to do that. We tried some Photoshop options and yeah. tried to get as creative as we can. And one of our most recent hires, Riley, um, she actually is able to do these flat illustrations. And so we came up with this idea. She put them all together and then our designer got them live on our website. So yeah, it's, it's our hope, hopefully soon enough. We have a plan for us all to get so together. Those are real avatars. Those are like, those are those real people. I thought it was, when I looked at that, I thought, oh, it's to, you know, we, we don't, we don't have your connection yet, but we will. And then we'll put your face in. Right. So but no, they are based on us. So they're based on all of our yeah. headshots that she actually created the flat illustrations on. So pretty cool, pretty creative. I'm always impressed with my team and how they're, how they're able to come up with new ideas in the face of, yeah, we don't have the ability to all be in the same room right now. I'm so. looking here on, on your Instagram. So I got both. I'm cheating. I've got, so yeah, Riley's like good. a new hire. Look, I click on this. Welcome Riley. Yeah. So she's, a, she's mm -hmm. like a new hire. When was this post? 
So this yeah, is so she, she just started. She, uh, yeah, when did she start? She started April, end of March, I think it was. Oh, her okay. and Jamie Campbell, who you know, um, our two most recent hires that joined the team. And then yeah. in January, we brought on three additional people and then uh, one in back in summer as well. So since the dawn of COVID, we have hired uh, six new people, I guess. Um, and had some had some transitions. So yeah, it's been it's been a big change for us. And to think that we all haven't even been in the same room, like many of us haven't even met outside yeah. of Zoom is really crazy. Um, been lots of growth. So I'm really looking forward to when we can all get together and and uh yeah, enjoy that face to face. It's like that initial, I think. See, people discount the online experience or whatever, and, and you can't you can't create that connection. But right. Go back to your Twitter. You connected from that tweet. You connected with the bar owner who sent you the free because he he got it or he or she got it right yeah and sent you the free drinks and you spent the night there you connected offline or whatever you call online, online. And you, you know then you brought it to brought it real so your yeah. your your connections with your staff are much i believe will be so deep now after all this you know like it's kind of like that long lost pen pal you know those those movies where they you know what i mean like they or that movie with uh, tom hanks and sally sally right was it you know, they, oh, they uh, when, Harry, not when Harry met Sally, but I, uh, are you talking about you've got mail or you've got mail, right? You've and got mail. Connect. Of course. <laughs> you kind of have that connection. Off. Anyway, but let's yeah. I get distracted. Let's talk about Jamie. Cause I mean, J kudos to Jamie. Cause Jamie reached out. Wait, she was responsible for three podcasts directly. You know, I, mean, I, I go back, she connected me. No, that was okay. Maybe it's her job, but she got Jeremy Clark from episode 210 of this podcast. And then Ellen, because I was wondering who's behind the scenes. I'm like, wait a minute. This is cause because then Ellen was on. I had Ellen on, and then David yeah, Lowe from, yeah, and then and then Victoria Park, um, David Lowe, which is the improvement area here in Calgary. So those are the three. And then you know it's just Jamie's kind of out there. So let's go to Jamie. Let's. Why did you hire Jamie? Because I think you and I talked a little bit offline. But let's let's talk to that a little bit. And some of your you can talk about everything else. But we'll talk. To, let's talk about Jamie first. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So obviously, again, we we were growing. We continue to have sort of ever since May of uh, 2020, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a record month in May. April was really quiet. That was kind of our, you know, every couple, couple contracts hit pause with everything going on in COVID. Sure. Um, I took a step back so that I didn't have to lay anyone off for my team so that everyone could kind of maintain their workload as much as possible. And we just focused on how we could help. We did some free product photography for businesses, webinars, etc. Um, and then May we were busier than ever. We had a record month and then we just kept having, record months kind of after that um, month over month kind of a thing. So fast forward to spring and yeah, we were ready for our seventh and eighth hire. Um, so I posted for a coordinator as well as for a brand experience manager. And it was right before uh, we had group interviews, I think starting on the Tuesday and it was Monday night. I got the application that came through for Jamie Campbell and we, um, you know, well, now that I've hired her, and your social media blew up. <laughs> yeah, your, so, Zoom, your Zoom channel blew up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I was just so, so impressed right off yeah. the bat. So excited. We emailed her back right away and said, let's get you in these interviews. And yeah, she stood out from the get go. She's um, I'm so privileged to be able to work with someone as talented as she nice. Um, and with the background uh, that she brings to the table. So um, yeah, really excited to, to have her contributing to the team. And it's just been such a seamless um, transition, I guess, with, with everyone that we've hired new, to be honest with you. It's been, we've, we've been really lucky. We've had some really great candidates. I think part of that, I kind of have COVID to thank for that because, you know, that and that we're virtual. So location is not, as, not an issue. So our hiring pool is bigger. But I mean, when we did our first posting, uh, to hire in the summer after COVID, yeah. we usually get about 50 applicants out and we had 250. So yeah. it was absolutely wild. Obviously so many people losing their jobs, um, you know, not an ideal scenario. That said, I think it was a time for a lot of people to take a look and say, okay, what do I want to do? And now the idea of working remote wasn't as scarier and accessible. Sure. So, I mean, <clears throat> from our end of things, we got access to a, such an incredible pool of talent to interview. It made my job very, very challenging. Uh, but at the end of the day, looking back and everyone knew that's joined our team in the last year, I'm so, so pleased with the decisions we've made. And I just feel so grateful day after day with the team of talent that we've been able to put together here. And, and they're really the magic behind it all. So. No, I understand. So, let, but you mentioned group, was it a group interview like Jamie, you know, seven other candidates together, or was it the other way around where your, your staff were interviewing her all at once? 
Yeah, no, it was a group interview. So this is something we started doing only in the last year or so. Uh, we're always trying to get creative. You know, um, business as usual is not really the way we do things here. We <laughs> like to look, you know, think outside the box. And yeah. we're definitely a, a unique workforce, I suppose I'll say, in the way that we kind of handle things. So uh, group interviews is one thing that we tried to do. And really the point of that is our whole business is run through Zoom and, and virtual connections, whether that right. be through, we use Slack as kind of like our virtual office, if you will. Yeah. And everyone on my team is, is fantastic communicators, obviously, because you have to be in order to maintain a culture like this and be effective in this type of uh, workforce. Um, so what that tells us, we realized is, you know, our group interview is essentially mirroring what our team meetings look like. Okay. So, you know, the, the normal challenges that you would have, like, well, who talks first and how you don't want to overstep, but it's all about collaboration and, yeah. you know, all of those things. If you put them in a group setting, those challenges exist, but those are the day-to-day -day challenges that we face as a team. So we want to be able to see how they, how they shine. Yeah. Um, and it, and it worked as well because I mean, you know, it could be considered quite cutthroat if you're hiring for one position, but at the same time, you know, both of these occasions we were hiring for multiple people. So, um, you weren't necessarily competing to get one job. There could have been a few people from that interview that were getting the job. So I think it helped promote that kind of collaboration piece. Uh, so, really just to be in. clear, this is the group. Yeah. So there's seven potential candidates all on the zoom call with you and, and two or three of your team. Yeah. No. So we had, um, the way we ran, it was essentially two people from our team, myself and Cheyenne from my team ran them. And yeah. we had six candidates at a time is kind awesome. of our sweet spot. And then I would take one candidate at a time into a breakout room and ask them more specific uh, oh, questions okay. about their experience, but we would keep the conversation more general. So the kind of no right answer questions, but just really yeah. getting to know them a bit more. And then at the end of the group interviews, we actually emailed all the candidates and said, um, thanks for participating based off the interview. Who would you hire to work in the to work wow. with you essentially. And wow. that was also um, just such a unique idea. I don't remember who came up for, came up with it from my team, but just getting to know what their perspective is and putting them kind of in that like- This is a blueprint for, I'm sorry, you should be like a recruiting firm. People should, <laughs> no, but yes, this is amazing. Like that there, let's say the blueprint for what you, how you could hire in today's whatever world, right? Virtual yeah. world. Brilliant. Yeah. That's your they next business line, right? That is, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Don't tell really... my partner that. He'll be like, no more businesses. Just stick to one. No, but um, you're like this, you're like that uh, inventor, you know, like the neighbor who I used to have this neighbor had everything in his backyard, right? Because he was yeah. like one of those tinkerers and, he, oh, and yeah. from that, a dog house he built for us. And you know what I mean? It's like these things come out of that woodwork, right? This is mm -hmm. oh, Wow. So that yeah, just it's been really successful seriously creative. Awesome. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. That we, you know, you got to try it and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We like to take the feedback as we go yeah. and we're always learning. And, um, you know, Jamie's onboard experience, onboarding experience, she said was fantastic. Um, versus a year ago before we had really dug into our processes, it wasn't as smooth. So we're always learning, uh, always room for improvement. Um, but yeah, no, we've definitely had like some, some really process. cool creative things. I'm sorry that, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, but it's that interview process where, you know, you meet seven people from the company and I'm, I'm just thinking that physical world way back when. And it's like, they all yeah. kind of at the end of it, they get together. What do you think of the candidate? And there's that bias or whatever, but this way you, you turn the table around and they're listening to each other. Mm -hmm. you know, the answers and it's very competitive. So you kept them on, someone's on mute. You can't like, obviously not everybody's speaking at once or whatever, but no, but I mean, we didn't really keep them on mute. We just, we let the, let it flow. Like if we were all sitting out and you know, someone's going to talk first, I most yeah. oftentimes they took turns, but we could naturally see who was a little bit more of a leader and, yeah. and who, you know, took an interest in others. And it was, it was just really like, we had a lot of feedback from people after the interviews, even if they didn't progress saying I was so nervous for this because it sounds terrifying and very unorthodox and it was yeah. so much fun. It and is so unorthodox. that I love to hear, you know, um, for us, the most important thing is hiring for culture. I'm very, very protective of our culture. Obviously I was lucky enough to grow up in WestJet airlines, which is, um, has always had a really strong focus on culture. And so I, I think that's probably where it was born from, but that is the most important thing to me. And I think, being a virtual agency with, uh, you know, technically the, my team is contractors. So it could lend itself to have a really divisive culture, I guess, competitive and just kind of this checked out feeling. And we're the opposite. We are such a family. Um, so that, you know, that's the most important thing to me when we hire. So we have an extensive hiring process and it's unique because we want to make sure that we really are getting that best fit for the team. 
and so far so good. I mean, we haven't I been batting at hundred, but you're a thousand. What is the? <laughs> no, the I remember. Um, no, no, yeah, you're batting. You're batting seven, 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 seven. Whatever it is, the but literally that <laughs> group hiring. I remember as a day, a friend of mine was, uh, you know, this. Uh, it was a telemarketing kind of a business, and they would group hire. Yeah. And the people would walk out as soon as they realized. Like, I just, you know, the stories of there'd be 10 people there sitting and then, okay, so this is a group hire thing and people just walk out. But that was the days of yeah. the, in the nineties, right? But wow. So I think you've got a blueprint for your clients. Have you, have you tested that with your clients on, on how they can hire? Uh, no, I haven't started offering those <laughs> consulting services yet, but who knows? Maybe this podcast will be the jumping off point for something new. <laughs> oh, but, uh, this you, you, this no. is the COVID. So the COVID creativity came out. Let's do you have any examples you want to share with you about your clients during COVID and, and maybe, maybe not what you did, but what they did. Is there anything? For you sure. Share? Yeah. I think honestly, that's been like, it's been such a privilege for us to be able to uh, be in the type of business where the relevancy um, we, we maintained relevancy. And if, if, you know, actually I would say there's an increased relevancy for the dependence on digital presence and social media. Yeah. Through so through you know throughout COVID, I think this growth was going to happen regardless. But I think it was going to happen at a lot slower pace, and um, with everything being shut down and in person being taken away from us, businesses were stopped in their tracks, and we're like, okay, uh, it's now or never. You know, we've, we've got to figure this out. And there have been such cool examples. Um, I am in awe of so many businesses that have found ways to pivot and have just. I'm sure they've had nights where they cried themselves to sleep because I can appreciate that being an entrepreneur, but man, they have just shown up and maintain that connection with their customer base. And, you know, a lot of times through at least, at least augmenting with digital support. And yeah, we've seen some really cool success stories. Um, we have one, a couple clients actually that are in the e-commerce yeah. world and specifically in, um, in the arborist industry actually. And so we leaned into paid advertising with them a lot uh, throughout this, this time. And we've seen, I mean, May of 2020, we saw the best results I've ever seen in my career um, around how much revenue we were able to generate for them. So they didn't have to take a hit at all. We just, we paid attention to what was working and with minimal spend, you know, yeah. we were looking at like a 300 return on ad spend when like industry standard positive is like four. So it was absolutely wild to be a part of. Um, we have a couple of clients that are in the event industry yeah. where, I mean, my goodness, I feel for the event industry. This has been so, so challenging on them, but they, uh, stuck with us. They felt like maintaining a digital presence was so important. So they weren't forgotten through this. And we really focused on creative ways. Uh, not that we can take credit for all their creative ideas, but we really focused on how we could support these creative things that they were doing, whether it was supporting with virtual events or just trying to engage with their communities and give back and uh, thought leadership and all of that. So we, we were able to help support that. Uh, we work with an HR consultancy firm as well. And they, we, I think we all know that, um, a lot of businesses have really needed to lean on their HR um, experts. There's your case. There's your case study for them. HR, yeah, HR consultancy company. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you're going to start, you're going to disrupt, but that's a disruption, right? Because yeah. everyone's doing the, send the CV in, send your resume in, they're boring, right? But mm -hmm. what you did is not boring. And it's also, it, it, it spawns creativity. And mm -hmm. it suddenly you get, even the ones who don't, who get rejected might think, Oh, wow. I got something from that. I learned something yeah. from that. Not just a, you know, talk in one, one side of discussion. So your HR consultant, I'm sorry, your HR consultant, <laughs> you know, that they need to hear this podcast, but I love sure. I mean, she's, a, she's a great friend of mine and a client um, and a mentor. Yeah. I would consider her too. So um, she's, yeah, we've definitely had great conversations about it and I'm thankful for everything she's been able to lend to me as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they've obviously maintained such relevancy in this past year, not always in a positive way, obviously, cause they've had, I mean, they've had to come in and kind of save the day in a lot of situations where layoffs were prominent and things like that. Yeah, but, sure. um, but yeah, I mean, being able to support them with, with their digital presence and their voice, I think has been paramount. Uh, we've certainly seen, you know, whether it's our clients or not our clients, um, we've certainly seen such amazing examples of brands that have made pivots to be online, or, I mean, if they even brands where they, they really had no ability to operate, uh, but they still showed up and maintained those connections. Uh, we did a webinar back, back in spring of 2020. And we talked about, you know, if you, if your doors are closed and you literally can't sell, you still should be engaging with your customer base so that they don't forget about you and sharing authentic 
authentically what's going on with you guys and your story, because people, I think more than ever before are really feeling for businesses. They're really thinking a lot about where they're spending their money and their time. So, you know, creating those authentic connections, we were in particular in the last that's year, we've intuitive. that's very intuitive of you because you know, not you, but in, in your team to, to advise your clients that, as you said, they maybe didn't have a digital presence, but just to kind of maintain that contact. There's your 2012. That's 2012. That Twitter, you got it then, yeah. and you're getting it. You know, you got it during COVID, right? You that Twitter bug, that Twitter <laughs> bug flew in your room. I don't know, but that's very real, right? It's like really good advice. If you're not there, but do something. If you can't make sales, wonderful. Yeah. And if you, if you can't make sales traditionally, can you make sales digitally? Is there something else yeah. you can do? I know there was um, some local spas and things like that when they weren't able to be open, they were selling at-home facial kits. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just forcing wow. entrepreneurs to do really what we do best and go back to the drawing board and get creative and try something new. And there has been so much success. And it's, it, I mean, a lot of negatives, obviously in the last year, but one sure, of the positives sure. are I've just been so inspired to watch, um, watch businesses and entrepreneurs and with their resiliency and, and see what, what they're capable of. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty incredible for sure. And I love to see, I think there's like a lot, it's a launch BC grant, you know, governments are at least trying to support, uh, businesses with getting online. I think it's like a, a I don't know, seven to $10,000 grant or something like that. So really helping businesses with that funding to kind of get set up, lean into paid ads. That's certainly something we've seen. We launched a, um, a, an ads only program for smaller businesses that maybe can't afford a full agency solution, but, yeah. and they, and they can handle their own social media usually on some level too, but they don't know how to touch paid. It's a little bit beyond them. They haven't worked with it. It's scary because you're investing hard dollars. Um, so, and, and we've seen such success with paid it's like for our clients, it's been so, um, so powerful for them. So we wanted to find a way to kind of bring that to the businesses that may or may not have struggled, but have found a way to, um, to sell online and, and operate as an e-commerce shop. So that ads only program has been really helpful for them. Ironically, I'm looking, there's light bulb and then there's that ad only program right on your Instagram page, but that's, mm -hmm. that's incredible. Cause I, I had it. So one of my podcast guests is, was, um, gentleman rogue, Matthew Andrade, and they do the handcuffs and ladies scarves. So, so, uh, cufflinks for men, handcuffs, not the handcuffs. <laughs> I was going to say, okay. Cufflinks. They do <laughs> it's an adult only store. Scarves. Okay. <laughs> no judgment. Cufflinks story, Matthew. So Matthew and Monica do that, right? And he was, we had this, we had an offline chat. I said, well, what about running, you know, paid in paid ads in Facebook? Because Wish, you probably heard of Wish. They've done a $10 billion for unpublished ad. You don't know about Wish, but they've done $10 billion worth of, uh, you know, business on, and they're huge. On, mm -hmm, on of course, yeah. Facebook, right? And I said, he goes, yeah, I'll hire some social media kid. And I'm like, I don't, I think it's easier than that. Because if you hire some social media kid, I Googled it to find out and it funnels you Facebook funnels you to, okay, where's your website and all that. So you have to do it. Somebody from the company has to do it. Mm -hmm. But I've heard it where you go very meta and you do test cases. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about doing a test in an area. So let's say Penticton along the beach, whatever those businesses along the beach, you run an ad, you know, for facial products or skin cream or whatever it is. Right. And you know, you're going to get traction if it's uh, whatever, you know, you go very meta to the community. I know is that kind of something does that describe it for some of the ads you'd say to people? Small yeah, business? for sure. I mean, the power of paid these days is it's, I don't know. It's amazing to me. And I, I, I also really appreciate, I'm a bit of a data nerd. Um, as an entrepreneur myself, I obviously really appreciate that when you spend money, you need to make sure that it has, it's developed a return, right? I really yeah. appreciate that. And, um, we get a lot of pressure from clients on how we can demonstrate that ROI. And it's sometimes challenging for social because it's a lot of top funnel work. Yeah. Um, especially in a B2B realm, you're not realistically closing big deals off of one tweet. It's, you know, it's a, a trickle down effect. So, um, but I mean, what we have with paid and social overall is we have so much more data than we ever had as marketers. I mean, if you think about billboard advertising and radio advertising and how much that costs you thousands of dollars per month, and you don't get any data, you know, you, you can, you might get some assumptions around how many eyeballs you get, but I mean, that's called impressions and reach. And we have those down to, you know, the specific number that we can present yeah. back. So you can really start to demonstrate that impact. Uh, but what I love about paid in particular with an e-commerce B2C brand is you can literally uh, target ads specifically for purchasers yeah. to, you know, you can get really specific with your targeting based on sure location interest, but also, um, you know, 
building matched audiences look like audiences that look like the people that have already purchased for you. So I always say to brands that we're working with, I mean, you will hopefully have a sense of who your target market is, what their key characteristics and traits are, but maybe you don't realize that everyone that buys from you also loves dogs because it's totally irrelevant to what they're purchasing from you. I don't know what it might be. Mm. Um, but, but Facebook could potentially find those similarities for you when they're building lookalike audiences. Well, they've been doing it for so long, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they have access to so much data. Yeah. So yeah. So it's been pretty cool and pretty powerful to see how we can optimize. Um, we just, uh, Madison from my team and myself just attended a, an ads conference uh, beginning of May, virtually, of course, uh, to learn a lot more. And there's a ton coming down the line with paid, yeah. um, but a lot of best practices that we're already putting into place. And yeah, just a lot of power, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of power in what we can do. And, and to your point, yeah, absolutely. You, you don't need a massive budget. You can start testing small, you know, we require $500 ad spend per month just to get started. And then my hope is that after a couple months of testing different, uh, creative and different language and different audiences and all of that, we really start to build a mathematical equation where we can say, well, here's what your return on ad spend is. So simply tell me how much money you want to make and we'll work backwards and figure out what that costs. This is awesome because it, this is real, like this, you're doing real life stuff, real life stuff. So I go, I had a podcast with Jason Ribeiro. He was working with Calgary Economic Development uh, last year. And so Jason was telling me about we, one of the goals of Calgary Economic Development early on in COVID was to get that digital presence. So I think they were working with, he said, there's something like a thousand small businesses. Cause you know, even that Google web page, you know, when you Google and there's that, cause that's the paid for thing where you get your website and all that. Yeah, sure. you, if you're not there, a hack I saw on tick, early COVID on TikTok was people buying that space for $300 and turning around and trying to sell or buying it for $50 and turning around to the business. Look, you're not on Google, you know, and they, we'll sell it to you for $250. It's kind of like the domain name, you know, domain name back in the 90s where people bought yep. up domain names, right? Yeah, for sure. Been, for sure. You know, that hack. But so they were working with small businesses. That's incredible. I mean, now you're saying BC, the BC government's doing it because mm -hmm. if people don't even have that first entry level, they're not dead. But they, you know, there's so many businesses out there. They're still hand delivering. When when the spring thaw here in Calgary, when it thaw, I got hand, <laughs> the number of flyers. The number of flyers are hand delivered, and I caught the door and I said, "Oh, are you the owner?" Yes. Are you? Wow. Can, can you imagine how unscalable hand delivering a hard stock? I said, "This is pretty incredible." I said, "So you're not? Can I find you?" Yeah, we got a website, but no digital. I'm telling you. They're businesses. I can cut your trees. I can I can do your lawn. I can do your clean spring cleaning. They're still hand delivering flyers. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah. I mean, to that end, I I love you know taking a look back and seeing what we can learn. And so I mean, you're telling that story now. So obviously, that did have an impact on you, which is great <laughs> and fine and expensive and not so scalable. Yes. To your point, so I'm you know I'm all for doing that stuff if it works, but at the same time, you need to consider a larger option if growth is kind of. But don't take a video. I, just, I literally, I stopped some of these guys, the garage door guy, he fixed our garage door. I'm renting the place, right? The garage yeah. door guy. Yeah. Word of mouth really worked. I said, who's going to hear, but I don't talk to my neighbors during COVID. I'm allowed to go. I'm not even allowed to go over there. Right. <laughs> right. I, this, was mid, this was mid COVID. I said, take a picture of the guy, take a video of the guy repairing it and put that up on social. Oh, you know, I don't, social media doesn't work for me. I'm like, dude, this was six months ago or no. Okay. But it was COVID, right? Dude, yeah. the guy with the thing hang, hanging, putting a nice hanger on my, with plastic. Cause it's got the, you know, covers for the rain. So not only does he have a hard stock door hanger, he's got a plastic cover on it. So how much expensive is that? And he's delivering himself because he can't, <laughs> have, right? Take a video of that and post it on social media and show, yeah. show, show me the money, Jerry Maguire. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I mean, really <laughs> social media. Like I love when people say, my business is all based on word of mouth. Uh, that's fantastic. And yeah. social media is word of mouth. That's yes. what it is. And it's word of mouth. I won't say it. it's word of mouth exponentially. I, I will say, um, yes, you know, scales. you can scale that word of mouth. You're, you're speaking on a, on a megaphone thing, a community, Calgary community, right? That only goes so far, right? I can stand on the corner and if everybody's at work and they're not in this community, they're not going to hear that megaphone. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, right. That's what, I actually right. love you now. You need to do that. Somebody but but I mean, on social media, like when back in the day, let's say before social media, sure, I might tell what, I don't know, three to four people about a positive experience that I had with a business. Because yeah. I mean, how often do you go around talking about, for your example, you know, your garage doors, like how, how often do you really talk about it? Maybe to your neighbors at uh, your neighborhood barbecue. So maybe 20 people. Now, yeah. I mean, how many Facebook friends do you have? I have like 1400. So 
if I post that on social media and I post that on Facebook and say, well, I had a fantastic experience with this person at this business, I also make a phone. Yeah. Then I mean, sure. Not every friend is going to see that, but a a heck of a lot more can. And then if you're that business and you get tagged and you go and you respond and say, thanks so much for the shout out, Tessa, we really appreciated working with you as well. All of a sudden I feel even more connected to the business. I feel seen. Um, everyone else can see that they're that responsive, responsive, and they actually care about their customers and their experience. And, and that says something, that's what people are looking for these days. So not to mention, you can also say, Hey, Tesla, can we also reshare this content and maybe throw some budget behind it to, to reach some new top of or don't even ask, just like, do it. Like yeah, riff it. TikTok so riffs. you can riff, you can riff a video and a picture without asking for permission, but t- you know, that, that allows it to scale because people, the you know, if you listen to TikTok or if you listen to their algorithms or how it's working, mm-hmm. they allow people, they want creators to create, they want oh, people yeah. to learn. They want someone who likes your content here or whatever it is like that, you know, the arborist, I'm going to, I'm going to go there for a second, but you know, someone who's doing something for the lawn or whatever, if someone liked that post, not in your friend group, but in someone in uh, Europe, like that same thing, that's where TikTok takes off. The creators can create not with your own network, but mm-hmm. it really scales that way. Anyway, I just, this is incredible. I love it. Tessa, thank you for bringing this today. Yeah, no, of course. It's always so fun to talk about for sure. Uh, Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's a ton of tried and true stuff that um, hasn't changed a ton with social media. And there's so much new coming down the pipeline as well. So I I think even if, I mean, I know a lot of businesses find it overwhelming. You certainly don't have to do everything and be everywhere. There can be strategy to it because I know, you know, it takes, it takes time to do it well and time is money as we all know. So I don't think people, businesses need to be everywhere at all times. I recognize that it can be very overwhelming. It's a relentless industry. I always say to be in. Um, if you're interested in constantly learning, then it's yeah. a great place for you. Otherwise, maybe not so much, but, uh, but I, you know, businesses that aren't participating in social media at all right now, huge missed opportunity, huge. Well, it's, you know, there's so much, there's traditional media and, and, and I think get, get, walk around with a sandwich board, right? Mm-hmm. Take a video of that and post it on all the places yeah. with your ad. And then, you know, it's like still going, still going old school. That's okay. Your dad did too, but he's still, he's not allowed look where your dad is. Right. And he's all over social media. Yeah. Now your dad's right. on Facebook. Yes, <laughs> right. Is your grandma, is your grandma on Facebook? Yeah. She looks at the grandkids every day. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? The flowers. And then here's the flowers that you can, you know what I mean? Like whatever it is. So your arborist, like there was something I listened to early COVID and it was a guy, one of the green lawn, whatever, you know, those, you know, that they do the lawn fertilizer thing. Yep. And because so many people were spending time in their backyards and it was their new, it was a new, new, um, yeah. they, they went viral. And the guy was like, so I listened to the podcast and he said, I can't, I wish I had the name of that company. And he's like, we, we did a TikTok video for fun showing the family on the grass because how, it went viral and the kids are like, dad, you can't do it. It's embarrassing. Right. And it went viral <laughs> because the kids said you shouldn't be doing that. So yeah. But how do you arborist? So you, do you have an example from your arborist, what they did that was creative? Um, I mean, we've got tons of different creative campaigns that we run for, and we work with a number of different brands kind of in that space, but a lot of it's based on what we call user generated content. So kind of what we've been talking about here, um, really just how can you find a way to get your customer base to create content for you? And they want to do it. I mean, these days we're, we're creating content all the time. Anyone who has an Instagram, um, or a TikTok or even Facebook to some extent, we're creating content, you know? So, and and they're the ones that are in the field using the gear. So the idea being they create the content, you engage with them as a brand, which makes them feel seen and excited. Then you reshare their content, which makes them feel like they get their 15 minutes of fame. Everyone's happy with that. They get a lot of exposure and it saves you from having to spend the time and energy and budget to create the content yourself. And it also gives your content a more real life feel. So for people that maybe um, like leads that haven't purchased with you yet, they're a little bit more top of funnel. If they see real in use case studies essentially is what that content becomes um, from, from customers that are happy and that are so happy that they're actually creating content for you. I mean, that's going to, that's going to sell your product way better than you ever can. People trust your customers way more than they trust you saying that you're so awesome. So, um, so user generated content is always a part of the program. We get really creative with how we can do that. Sometimes it's through like nominating people and um, profiling unique uh, unique customers in the industry who are doing really cool things. Again, having nothing to do necessarily with direct sales, but just focusing on building those relationships. And then when you have those relationships, it translates to the results and the sales. Um, so lots of that. And then you can also utilize influencer marketing to do that in a little bit more of a 
you know, strategic or sophisticated way. So um, partnering with influencers to create that content for you, usually there's some kind of exchange, whether it's product exchange for free or a little bit of a payment or whatever that might look like, but then you're, then you know, you're getting that um, high quality content. That's again, being created for you that you can then share, share across your social channels, add some budget behind it, um, you know, and really, really make it fly. So a lot of power happening in those kind of areas. I love the user-generated content because I was listening to a, the, the the founder of Roblox. And you, you have you heard of Roblox? No, actually, I haven't. So the game, it's like Fortnite or one of these, you know. Oh, okay. I'm sure my kid, kids are. Minecraft, <laughs> Minecraft or something. I don't even know. I've never played it, never seen it. Roblox, just heard, they, they went, you know, they did their IPO recently, billions off the charts. But the guy was talking about oh, okay. the second. So the gaming is one big part. But because of COVID, people couldn't get out to the malls. The gamers were saying, can we create an experience going to the mall or whatever, or going to a theater, right? So right. The, the user gen, the UG, I only heard this recently, but user, UGC or user generated content is yeah. the biggest part or second biggest part of their, their growth inside that Roblox game. So the users wow. are creating experiences, right? The mm-hmm. gamers, it has nothing to do with gaming, no competition, no, it's just, they just creating this experiences for other gamers and right. it's like that social element. So what you're saying is, it's more analogous, I believe is more analogous to like crowdsourcing. And here's your, you, you crowdsource that, you bring it up, like you create content, you put it on the website or cross, I love that. Mm-hmm. But I, that so it's a different way of hearing user-generated content. I love that, so. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about some of the, because the other things that I wanted to, uh, oh, demand spring. That's something that demand, <laughs> that just sprung up recently. You're on this, it's part of a consortium you're in or? Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited about it. So Demand Spring is a client of ours, so we do social for them. Uh, but in addition to that, they've actually invited me to join. They've just launched a new uh, advisory program. So it's called yeah. Leap. Um, and they've just invited me to join that board as sort of the social media specialist. So um, essentially they're selling these advisory services to different businesses out there who maybe need it for whether it be a three-month or a long-term sort of investment, but they can then access any of us on the advisory board, I believe there is, I want to say 40 something advisors in many yeah. different areas. Um, really, really talented group of people. Um, so they can bring them in and access them for consulting or workshops or anything like that to really help uh, grow their business. So I'm super excited to be a part of it and um, yeah, and see what other new brands and businesses out there I'll get to get to work with and, and um, help consult for us. That sounds, and I'm going to throw this back to you and whatever you want to take, but it's called curated. What they've done is very narrow yeah. and it's, it's curated is, is uh, I don't know if you heard, have you heard of curated? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. We talk about curated content all the time. So no, absolutely. the company called curated. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they no. raised 27 million for bringing experts together to buy sporting equipment outdoors. It started with skis. Okay. I'm telling you it's, it's literally, it's bringing experts to advise people who are looking for So advice. Let's take your, mm-hmm. your advisory, sir, the 40, so it's a, it's a website and they raised 27 million and I literally, it's a marketplace bringing those advisors together with the seekers and the brands who, who have the equipment. I, I, I don't know how I just listened to it on a podcast. It's called curated. It's okay. literally, yeah, I understand curated content, but this was, I'm like, wow, what you just, when I re- read that demand, I thought that's what it was like a marketplace where people looking for advice can go to the experts like yourself and the, so the 40 advisors, maybe there's something there. I just thought, wow, if they had that platform, but on a, you know, that year to that marketplace, it's like a marketplace. That's what the curated is. It's a marketplace. Okay. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. Similar for sure. Um, this one, you know, I think it's a little bit more designed, uh, <laughs> not necessarily for making specific purchases, not to say that wouldn't be part of it. I mean, it could be, Hey, Tessa, I need some advice on what social media marketing software to procure for my internal team who's doing social. So, I mean, perhaps, but yeah, more just around general business advice, um, specifically in the lots of the very real. It's back to those, those businesses. I mean, almost go to your Twitter, Twitter, 2012 post, right? Mm -hmm. Those businesses ignored you, didn't ignore you, but at their own peril. Right. And so there's that whole, Right. And sort of the advice, it's a little piece of advice there. And then it built, it's grown from, from that to, you've talked about top of the funnel, you've talked about paid advertising. I, we've covered a lot of ground in a very short period mm-hmm. of time. So I think you don't know where that's going to go. And those digital presence, you know, some of those businesses that don't have a digital presence and how do you start? Like, let's go to your website. You've got some key services mm-hmm. and I'll let you speak to that. The first was, is that social strategy? What you just said there almost. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, social, anytime we work with a client, social media management is obviously our, 
uh, bread and butter, if you will, one of our core services, we work with most, most of our clients actually outsource all of their social to us. Um, that said, whenever we start working with one of those clients, we always start with a strategy every, I mean, there's certainly best practices in social, but you want to do the research industry to industry, see what's happening there. It changes, yeah. as I said, all the time. So yeah. uh, we always spend the time upfront doing that sort of competitive analysis, getting our entire team together behind the scenes to pull together some really creative ideas specifically for this brand. Cause you can't just do what everyone else is doing. You need to do what everyone else is doing. Plus, um, you know, do it better and do it in a more unique way and find a way to stand out from the crowd. Obviously we, um, yeah. you know, classic marketing, strategy, just apply it to social media. So that's a big part of it. We also offer those strategies for some clients who want to handle social in-house, uh, whether they don't have the budget or they have some internal resources that they want to use. That's great. They don't want um, that ongoing support, but they do need some support with strategy. So we offer that as a one-time service offer as well. And then you, the last one you had, I guess, so you have three, there was four things I saw, um, social strategy, social media management, social media events. And then the last one, the extras. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what we're working on is, uh, you know, a, a lot of businesses, and this has become closer to our hearts, even in the last year throughout COVID, a lot of businesses are not at the point where they, and may never be where they, an agency solution would make sense for them. Um, and, and yet they could use some support. So we're trying to identify ways that we can sort of break out some of our um, the services that we offer our ongoing clients to small yeah. businesses in a way that makes sense for them. So um, as I mentioned earlier, our ads only program that recently launched about a month ago, I would say. Um, so that, I mean, your price entry price point there is like $500 um, or maybe it's $750 per month kind of total spend from a business. So much different than than what the agency well, like, expended for. Remember I told you about some of the trades that come into my house. Like, so one was a guy yeah. who's, um, he puts uh, the cupboards because we came from overseas and a lot of stuff was really packed tightly. And so desks and, and things had to be reassembled. So I had to hire, we had to bring a guy in and he goes, yeah, my website. Cause we were talking about websites. And I said, well, I have a $40 a month, whatever, you know, and this was like a year and a half ago. And it's like, yeah, I'm paying three, four, $500 or whatever it was. And they want more. Well, you just said, and that's just to get the digital presence, you know, like it was a website thing hosting. And I'm like, gosh, dude, yeah, I mean, Jobber now is, is they're up in Edmonton and just, they're making it really easy for small independents. Right. That is makes it real easy for that small business who says we can do this very you know, ad spend and probably very, very meta and very uh, targeted. Right. Right. Anyway, it's, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, totally fine. Yeah. There's, um, you know, that's, that's our hope with the program essentially. Um, we're doing a really a small amount of, of clients to start with. Cause we, we don't want to, you know, we only have so much capacity right now. We're pretty close to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we've just got a couple spots left in the program right now, but our hope obviously is that we can continue to grow that. Uh, we've also pulled out product photography. So product photography is always something that we've offered to our ongoing clients, but never yeah. on its own. Um, but in the last year, we've kind of pulled that out to help with that. I think, you know, we know that being successful on social media requires great content. And for a lot of people that is very expensive and or really challenging. But that's um, so that little marketplace you're creating there, or whatever it is of those that community you're creating, right? If you say, well, right now we don't have the capacity, but somebody who's done it for three months with you say, can you just share that with John and Mary over there? You know, they're in Kelowna. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can create that little network there, that capacity. And then suddenly you're hiring those people to be your, you know, the next whatever. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping over the next kind of two quarters here, we'll, we'll figure out exactly how these programs are going to take off and then we can decide how we can plan to scale for the following year. But, uh, but yeah, ads, paid ads, product photography, yeah. um, event social. So event social obviously went a little quiet <laughs> throughout the last year, but we've got our first event in person coming up, um, in this next month, actually down in the States. So got lots of, you know, COVID restrictions all being, um, respected there, but yeah, that I hopefully will come back. And I mean, for events, really people spend so again, thinking about this pre COVID, but people spend so many marketing dollars on events yeah. and making them impactful yeah. and as they should, but imagine if you just, you know, you kind of made this point multiple times throughout this podcast, but, um, if you just added social to that program, then you could actually get that message and all of that, uh, it, that experience out to people beyond those four walls and whether or not, you know, if, if they didn't attend this year, maybe it makes them want to attend next year, depending on obviously what the. I love that. Wait a minute. The yeah. analogy of the four walls. Yeah. Like, you this, how do you get the message out of the four walls? You know, one of those rooms and spinning around. Yeah, then, exactly. You know, I mean, if, for, if you're standing on, oh, there was, you just took me, there was that, um, there was a, it was really funny that in person, it was the live video conferencing. It was a, it was a comedy series. I can't remember. 
that it was like the real life uh, conference call. And the, okay. guy sta- the guy standing behind the door, push the mute on. Un- it was like, <laughs> but he was trying to, the code is seven, seven, you know, and they're all in the, uh, it was, I have to send you the link. It's so yeah, please funny. do. That sounds hilarious. Outside the room, right? He goes, and they're all saying, put the code is, you know, whatever. And it's just, it's so funny. And then at the end of it, the guy's sitting in the back. Have you been here all along? He's like, <laughs> And the guy's making call like it's so funny, but it was like so was, funny. So, but I wanted, I wanted. There was this morning. There's a company called Beacons, and you may have never heard of Beacons. No, I haven't. You've heard of Linktree, right? Yep. So Linktree helps you with your LinkedIn profile. You're in. It was called the. Let me just. I, I want to. Yeah, you're in whatever it's called. What is it called? The your profile. The link in your profile. Yeah. Link's in your I profile. Mean, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So link is in your profile. They just raised six million. Or no. 6 million funding, speed funding, and it's called Beacon. So I clicked on it. And the only, the reason it caught my attention was Chainsmokers funded this. The chain, you okay. know, the Chainsmokers group, right? So if you click on the link on Chainsmokers profile, it goes right to the Beacons. And then it onboards you to do the, you know, that that gives you what it looks like for your social media. They raised 6 million and they're just starting. And wow. it's that, they, 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 they click on the link. Um, it literally, I don't know. It's just, I think it add on to your extras. That's what I just put that as a, you know, it's the LinkedIn profile, make that little experience just a little bit better. There are other, right. compa- it says in the, there are other competitors in that space, mm-hmm. but they're doing it just a little bit better. Yeah. I'll have to take a peek at that. We're always, we're always looking at the new technologies coming up because it, as I mentioned, it's, it's relentless and people are realizing that social media and digital presence is a place that's worth investing in. So we're seeing new platforms, new technologies, all of that crop up time and time again. So we're all, we're always um, trying to stay on top of that anyway, and to do our best. To well, stay let's, on top. let's, let's go to that because for me, the digital marketing and marketing, social media landscape, the, 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 the money in that influence, all kinds of influence, whatever space you want to call it, it's mm-hmm. moving a mi- 90 miles an hour. How do oh you ground that? How do you and your team and your clients ground that? Lots of deep breaths, some glasses of wine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, kind of. <laughs> so, I mean, I 2012, think... right? We're hungover. No, it's, I love that. No, no, but that's. <laughs> um, but yeah, we one of our core values is stay curious, and that's something that we really bring home as much as possible. Um, in this industry, it's absolutely. Um, imperative to be successful is to always be in discovery mode. Um, so, you know, whether that's attending webinars or staying on top of industry blogs or just, you know, research at conferences, all of that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, in our Slack, we actually have a channel called things that make us smarter. And I encourage and, and require really the team to be, um, consistently sharing any new things that they encounter. So if one person finds something, everyone needs to learn it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we do six month strategy refreshes where we go back to, back to the, uh, you know, back to our research, back to um, our competitive analysis, see what else is happening, what other opportunities are coming up when a new platform hits the ground. You know, we usually either test it with our own social or perhaps we have a client that we want to kind of test it with and and put together some plans around that. I mean, TikTok is obviously kind of the newer one there. TikTok and Reels, how do you create content? Um, It it takes a lot of time to do that kind of stuff. So um, how do you do that for clients? So that's been something that we've been addressing over the last kind of three months or so and have some unique strategies around. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's got to stay top of mind for us. Um, We definitely make sure that we spend time and energy on it on it. And it's a part of our, it's become such a part of our culture. You know, we're always, we're always- I love that, stay curious, right? That mm-hmm. it's literally there. Um, I, I got go, go, the bus stop the other day. I, just, I said, in my, I said, my daughter, look at that bus stop. Cause it was, she was looking for driver training. Right. Mm-hmm. She's like, what? And it was gone by the time we were gone. She's on her phone. Right. And I'm not blaming, but nobody's reading a newspaper during the drive, drive by, you know, the bus stop works for 50 people. Mm-hmm. You want to hit 5,000, take a picture of that bus stop and post it. Right. Here's our ad. Here's our ad, that lonely ad. Nobody's that, you know, have one kid sitting by the bus. They're not even reading that, but they're sitting at the bus stop, but it was an ad for driver training. Cause she's, you know, it's going to be 16 and we want to get that horse in or whatever. Right. But I'm like, yeah, she's on her, she's on her phone. Exactly. If you're not running a Snapchat. They've got 500 million users now, by the way. Yeah. If you're not running, if you're not running that on Snapchat or TikTok to get the kids' attention and you run that against over to the other side where the mom and dad are, is your kid taking a driver course? You go right to them and, you know, and on LinkedIn or Facebook, find exactly. them where they are, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. That's one of my, uh, one of my favorite sayings is I, I, you know, I'll say billboard and bus advertising used to work because everyone used to walk down the street looking up. 
And nowadays, I mean, I'm not promoting this. It's not necessarily the safest way to walk down the street, but nowadays everyone's walking around looking down at their phones. So, I mean, you know, you got to get in front of people. That's, that's what this is all about as marketers is how do you get in front of people? And we need to meet people where they are. And that's, that's that ad works. That ad works. Did that bus stop, you know, bite you in the, in the uh, arse when you get, you know, from, you know, there's uh, those expressions like, did that, don't let it bite you in the ass. And literally because people are walking into bus stops with their phone or they're walking (laughs) into people. Did that happen to you? Come to us. Talk to Mar. We'll, We'll break down those barriers for you, you know, and you could do the literal the metaphor works. You just, just, you just mm-hmm. walk into the bus stop. You missed that sign, didn't you? Right. And the sign says, don't text while walking. Totally. I know. I know. Company? I don't know what's happening to us, but, uh, but uh, I mean, as a marketer, I know certainly that's where we need to be. We might need to provide people with helmets perhaps, but uh, we'll leave fine. that for another entrepreneur. Oh. <laughs> no, no, that's going to work. So Jamie, you got some work to the helmets, go buy some helmets and uh, climbing gear and show the people what, you know, how dangerous it is on social media. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what, what are you, you, you've mentioned a few of the platforms. What's, is it, I guess I don't have to ask you cause you've already said 17 of them, but um, <laughs> what, what's, what do you think is going to be important for you and your clients uh, on, on social media for the next year or so? I mean, I think for the next year, I, I think we, I mean, you know, honestly, there was a new platform that I had to sign up for the beta the other day called Racket. I hadn't even heard of it, but we had to, to uh, investigate that. So who knows, but yeah. um, I'm sure I'll eat my words, but I would say right now, the big focus for us is really Twitter and reels, that type of content. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, you know, it, it, I think it all kind of stems back from, in, from stories, I should say, which is like that Snapchat style. Um, now there's stories on, we just saw the other day, or, Snapchat, there's sorry, there's stories on Pinterest, there's stories on LinkedIn, there's stories on Twitter. Yeah. So really focusing on ca- how we can kind of um, lean into that type of content for our clients. So the nine by 16 video style content. Um, there's also, again, I've mentioned this earlier, but a really big desire for people to connect with brands as authentically as possible. So yeah. um, sure, we want some you know, designed and crafted content, but in addition to that, or, and I should say, in addition to that, we, we want to augment that with some more authentic, raw, less scripted style content. So that requires us to go back to our clients and work with them and collaborate with them a little bit more to help create that. So, um, I'd say that's our big focus kind of probably for the year, but as I, as I said, I'm sure, you know, a week from now, there'll be a new platform that drops. It's totally different and I'll, I'll be eating my words and have to learn something new, but based on what I know now, that's back to your point. That's back to your point about what are you doing? You know, that 90 miles an hour, because those are changing yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the wind. You know, I've already mentioned one that I just saw it this morning or last night and, you know, it was in the, but that's just new funding. Um, but you've, you've done that. I think you've already got that space. One thing I want to, I want to plug in for you is uh, the, the, it's called the high school, the high school party concept. So Gary okay. Vaynerchuk talks about it and it's like, what is it? I'm like, it, it works so well. And it's like the guy who was in guy or girl had a D in social on the social scale in high school hosted the party mm-hmm. right, and, and went up to a B or an A, depending on how good the parties were. Right. So you talked about it on the social media landscape where you host that party on whatever platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Twitter, Twitter might be the one or, or, or spaces, you know, cause spaces, Twitter's copying uh, clubhouse, you know, so that spaces is this basically live thing, the live right. chat. I think clubhouse still owns that space, mm-hmm. but you host the party on clubhouse for whatever your client is, whatever your HR, arborist, and you're bringing people to talk about what issues have you done? You know, you, I see you've got a winery out here. What are the issues you're faced with? And you get, I'm telling you, it's incredible. That party getting hosted, people are missing that. And it's not right. about, but the content you can create, that is incredible. Like that you could take, you know, screenshots, audio, video, whatever it is of people on there. It's so, it's incredible that native, what's happening on, on uh, clubhouse. It's, but people are missing, I believe they're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've had, we've had some debates about that. I think we're, our team's probably split about 50, 50 on how we feel about clubhouse, but um, it's not about personal feelings at the end of the day, it's about yeah. data and, and what works. And the so market, the market tells you and, yeah, exactly. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how, how social media is impacted when things with COVID start to go back to normal. Um, Because I think, I mean, I know personally, I'm like, I'm so excited about the idea of connecting with people in person as opposed to just online. Um, That said, there's a lot of it that I don't think is going to change. Like uh, the way that we've gotten used to being able to work from home, the way that we've been gotten used to being able to online shop, 
Um, not that we weren't doing that before, but now we're doing it at such an astronomical, you know, exponential level, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. It'll be, I think it's going to be another 12 months of unknowns for us. I mean, there's a lot of, um, changes obviously with iOS 14 and the new privacy laws and things like that. So that's another thing that's really a focus for us right now is how to, how do we stay really tuned into that and continue to try and find the best results for our clients. Um, so yeah, but I, but I think the next 12 months are going to be maybe just as eventful, maybe not quite as eventful, um, as, as the last 12 have been, as we kind of recalibrate to this new reality, um, of the future. So, you, you know, I had one, I'll leave you one last thought, Alex Sarian from Arts Commons here in Calgary, mm-hmm. he was on and he said, and to your point about going back to normal or whatever, he said, we, we believe that Arts Commons, so it's, it's, it's the Calgary, uh, Performing Arts and the, the Alberta Theatre yeah. Project. And he said, we have to combine the digital with the live events. So we need to find a way to have a hybrid, something high. I, I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but because the live events, you know, need the online to, to funnel that over and vice versa. You know, the mm-hmm. word of mouth, the social media and the digital presence. So it's an important part. He, he was, he framed it a lot better than I can, but I think yeah. you're, you're onto something there. I totally agree. I think, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I won't propose to say that I know exactly what it's going to look like, but I think that there is this expectation that has been created that brands and businesses have a way to, to allow us to operate from home um, in our own space on our own time. And I don't see that expectation changing, I suppose, even if we might choose in person a lot more than we you know, were able to do it throughout COVID. I think that expectation is not going away. So it's something brands and businesses need to keep uh, top of mind. So here's something you can throw an idea back to your, when you're, you're doing your group, group uh, hiring, you get your clients to feed you. What do you think is going to happen when you go back online? And what is your top, whatever it is, right? Whether it's email or whatever, however you do that, that could provide you some cool, interesting insights as to when reality hits and then you can show that here's what you said and here's what actually happened. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's, it just really took me to that when you tell that get them to give you that feed, that crowd to tell you what they expect. And then when it actually happens, you know, the either disappointment or you, you, you create some interesting, I don't know where you, you go with that. You maybe one of your team members can pick that up, but I think it's, it would create some interesting before and afters. Yeah, for sure. Or, and then we had COVID and then there's after COVID. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Well, the Mar Media Group is really, I, I've blown away. Tess, I, Tess or Tessa, I'm sorry. I, I, I like both. You said you like <laughs> I both. like both too. It's fine. <laughs> but you, I've blown away. I literally, this has been way beyond my expectations. And I'm looking at, you know, the, all the stuff you guys are doing. Um, how can people find you? Because I, I, I had to find you through, in, in, through Jamie. <laughs> I blame Jamie right. on LinkedIn. Her post on LinkedIn triggered yeah, this. Sure. But how do people find you? Uh, I mean, obviously our website, so our website is marmediagroup.com. All of our social handles are at marmediagroup. And of course we're on pretty much everything as you'd expect us to be. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, Tessa Maymar. Um, so feel free to connect with me there. If you want to continue any of these conversations, um, if you want to learn a little bit more about our team and behind the scenes, Instagram is kind of your best place to go there. We have a lot of fun on that platform, yeah. um, just kind of showcasing our culture and stuff like that. But yeah, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. This has been Tessa. Thank you. I, I, I'll leave it at that. Stay safe and have a great day. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.